I just want to take a moment to honor uh, a mature son of this house. Uh, he's, a, he's an older man, but he's a son. Yeah. And uh, I think all of us can learn so much from him. Yeah. And the word that God has placed in him, I want to say it right now, is for each one of us. Yeah. It's not for the person to the side of you. It's for each one of us. So I want to encourage you to open your heart and hear what the Lord is saying through one of his choice servants this morning. He is also one of the lay pastors here at Living Hope Christian Center. He has loved and counseled many of you. How many of you know he spent any time with Pastor Vern? He will drop some bombs on you. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, let's all stand up as a matter of fact. Let's honor Pastor Vern Davis as he comes and brings the word this morning. Praise God for you all this morning. And I especially thank God just for being here. Because truly, uh, my presence here today, it it speaks very loudly to me. Uh, Because uh, I shared before that um, a few week or so ago, I wasn't in too good of shape. Uh, That's the only way I can put it. I had, <laughs> uh, I had celebrated my birthday. My kids took me out for my birthday. We had a wonderful dinner and wonderful fellowship. It was a lot of fun. And uh, they got together the day before my birthday because it was convenient for them, and they, they said they, they could all make it, and we, we just had a great time. But that evening, before I got home, all I can describe it as if a dam broke. A dam broke, and everything went haywire. Everything was just messed up. And when I went to bed that night, I asked God not to let me wake up. That's how bad it was. I had decided before, while I was sitting there on the bed getting ready to cover myself, I said, okay, I'm, I'm going to resign. Matter of fact, I'm just leaving the church. I just, I'm finished. It's over. And, and I don't want to go through the, the, the drama of having to talk about it. And I just cried out to God and said, God, if you just don't let me wake up, everything will be fine. Wow. Um, again, I learned from Bishop Daniels Thursday is that if you make that declaration, you have to wake up the next morning. <laughs> so <laughs> when I opened my eyes and saw that, I woke up that morning. I said, well, then I have a couple things to do. I had been blessed because Sister Rhonda Curry blessed me with a uh, registering me to go to a conference. Now, I had seen that conference looking at how God unfolds things. The conference, it came in the mail, and I looked at it, and I was commenting to my wife about what a wonderful conference I thought it was, and I wish that, you know, I I, I could go. I'd never seen anything like this. It was... was, uh, KFAX Radio was sponsoring, one of the sponsors. And as I looked at it, I got down to the bottom and I saw that there were two phases of it. And the first phase was like $150 something dollars. And the second phase was $130 something dollars. And I thought, oh, well, I'm out. So I was standing by the wastebasket and I went to drop it in the basket. And I heard very clearly God say, put it on the bulletin board. So I put it on the bulletin board. 
And then Sunday I came to church, and we had a wonderful service, and Sister Rhonda said, I have something to share with you. And she's going through her purse, and she shares with me. She pulls out the brochure. And as soon as I saw the brochure, I said to myself, oh, well, I I know what it's all about, and I'll wait to tell her I've seen it already, because she alerts me to lots of things that, that are going on. And I love her for that. Well, as I explained to her that I got this brochure in the mail and I seen it and, and I can't go, I can't afford to go. And she says, well, you know, I got it. She says, but I won a registration to the conference and I want you to go. And immediately I said, oh, no, no, you won it. It was for you. You know, you need to go. And she says, no, you know, the, it starts on the 15th and the 15th is your birthday. And you need to go. So that morning when I woke up on the 15th, I thought the best thing I can do is I'll just go. Because it was a blessing from Sister Rhonda and I don't want her to think I didn't appreciate it. So I went, not knowing what to expect. And there were lots of fabulous speakers there and ministers from all over the country. And as a matter of fact, most of the people were from out of state. Because the draw was San Francisco. So folks from colder climates all came this way uh, to enjoy this conference. But there was a guy there that played a Hammond B3 organ. And I looked at this organ and I said, I know this hotel didn't have one of these in the back. He had to bring this with him. And that brother played that organ and it took me someplace. It reminded me of my childhood, and it stirred things in me that I had thought I had put away. And so the conference was really moving. Well, I endeavored to go to this conference each day. Uh, Some of you know that I've had some health concerns. I'm supposed to be on a lot of medications and this and that, and and driving is tough, and hanging out all day. I was at this place from 8 in the morning till 9-something at night or 10 o'clock at night, Uh, and I kept making it. I'd go home, and I'd go straight to bed, and I'd get up and go the next day. And I was just marveling at God that he was sustaining me. But Living Hope had a leadership retreat coming up that weekend. And by the third day of that conference, I said, there's no way I can make that leadership retreat. So I I have to bow out. So I talked to my wife, and she was planning to go back to work and this and that. And so we opted out of the retreat. And we weren't going to go. And then somebody steps in. Sister Sherry Alexander and her husband Yule call us and say, we want you to go. You just get in the car with us and go, and everything's taken care of. Don't worry about it. So I was like, how do we refuse that? You know, we had been caught in a trap. I couldn't refuse it. So I went. And as a result of going, I was blessed again beyond my imagination. And, and the reason I'm sharing this part of it is, Some of you know what it's like to wake up and not want to face tomorrow. Some of you know what it's like to not want to see tomorrow come. Well, I'm telling you that God has a plan. You don't know what the plan is, but I assure you that God has a plan. And as I watched God unfold his plan in my life, I got to the conference and I was moved so. Because I found myself in the company of the leadership of Living Hope. And I was just moved to be present there with them. Um, 
the conference went on, and I, 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 it was wonderful, and we were doing some exercises. And during those exercises, a young lady at this church, Josephine Grogan, decides that the prophecy thing has hit her. And as we're going to go to the groups, she hands me a note. And I'm like, well, okay, what is this? And I open this note, and it's a prophetic word. And it's her talking about how I have agreed to what God's called on my life, but what I agreed to was not what God had planned, and God had something else planned. And I just looked at it and said, oh, Josephine. And I kind of folded it up and put it away. But then when I got to my group, there were three other people in my group. Uh, Christopher Watson, Amy Pack, and my wife, Larry Ann. And as part of the group, we were supposed to share. And they began to share with me. And it stirred about me. And it stirred something in me that provoked me to share with everybody. And I was really excited about it. And what I, I had to share with everybody was how God has shown me things in the natural that were in the spiritual. And when I was not even in church or thinking about going to church, God showed me something about shepherds. And uh, what he showed me was, I I was on the farm, I was in a pre-veterinary medicine school, and I was on the farm preparing for a a program that they were going to have the next day. And as I stood there, I watched this group of sheep that had spent the night together, but they had all been marked. Some were marked with red dots, some were marked with blue dots, and some were marked with black dots. And they had spent the night together. Then they were moved out into a pasture, a huge big pasture. And then three guys came out and stood at different far places in the pasture. And they began to call the sheep. And the sheep that were all mixed up, began to separate. All the blue ones went that way, all the red ones went that way, and all the black ones went that way. And as I watched that in amazement, first I thought, how do you train sheep to do that? And then the next thought that came to me was, that's a scripture. I've heard that in the Bible all my life. My sheep know my voice. And I just, it just really blew me away that the word of God was real. And I thought the things that Jesus was talking about were practical things. They weren't just beautiful sayings and, and nice, you know, poetry writing. He was talking about real life. And, and that moved me really strongly. And I didn't know where I was going to go from there. But God has been so gracious that I had to share that with the group that, that we were in. But as God continued to move in my life and I began to study to stand before you today because this is an altar and I feel like the lamb that's been tied to the altar because this is not a place that I've opted to be. When When I talk about my preferences, I'd rather be somewhere sitting near you. Uh, I could never figure out how this was the call for me. Uh, I accepted it, but I never knew how it worked because my vision of what preachers are that stand here, that stand before you, was totally different. And I never found anybody I wanted to imitate, so I just figured out, 
you know, and, and, and it wasn't working for me either. So what happened was I, I, I promised God years ago, when I turned 32, that's when Jesus' ministry went public. So I hear this call. So I decide when I turn 32, then that, it'll be time. God will have worked out all the kinks. Well, this morning I got the revelation that it wasn't turning 32. It was being married for 32 years. And we celebrate our 32 second anniversary this year. And I thought this morning when I got that, I was like, oh, God, that means, okay, you put you in a fire for 32 years. And now it's time. But there's a great thing about being in the fire. And, and I want to remind you that some of you have gold jewelry and you admire gold jewelry. But all gold has to go through a fire. All the impurities and the perfections have to be removed and only fire will do it. So there's a place for fire. In that beautiful jewelry that you look at and you love, and when you see it on other people, you admire it. But it went through the fire. And so as I began to, to look at that and realize that, I began to see a little clearer some of the things that God was showing me. The other thing as I began to study, I discovered that I had some hurdles that I had to get over. And those hurdles, and I'm going, well, how does this fit into the message about sheep and shepherds? But God showed me that I had hurdles. I had doubt and doubt and, and, and all those kinds of things that were going on. Well, those were things that I had to get rid of. And I was thinking about watching races. And when the runners run hurdles, they can step on that hurdle and slam it down or they can jump over it. They're not disqualified for knocking over a hurdle. But as more, the more you hone your skills, the better the rhythm is where you get in a rhythm where you can jump every hurdle. But if you're running to win the race, you can step on the hurdles as well. So that's, I said, okay, God, that works. And, and I understand that. And I have to, to just run past these things. I can't let doubt because my big thing is I can talk myself out of anything. I can hear the voice of God clearly and say, oh, no, it wasn't for me. God, I, I can't say that. And so I had to begin to not talk myself out of things. Yeah. So I always talk myself out of being here yeah. because my vision of being here is that it's, it's not me. Yeah. Well, that led me on to look at the other hurdle was hypocrisy. Yeah. And hypocrisy is when people fool people. Yeah. <laughs> when, when hypocrites are very good at playing a role. And they can make you believe this and that. And I, I thought, well, I can stand before you and I can speak a little eloquently. I might even be able to sing a song and move you. But the one thing that dispels my hypocrisy, if I'm a hypocrite, is my wife and my children. So I made sure I invited my children to be here today because I can't stand here before you and tell you wonderful things that I do and the wonderful things I believe in and you look at my wife's face and discover it's the first time she ever heard that. <laughs> or you look at my children and I, after I tell you about being a wonderful father and, wait there, and you look at my child's face and he's going, oh, you know, who is that? So that let me know that, okay, God, you'll take care of that. But the other thing about racing in terms of looking at hypocrisy, I thought about a race that happened in the Olympics. Yeah. And it was a race that a man who was running a marathon got tired. And 
When he got tired, he decided that he'd get out of the race, and he jumped on a bus. And he rode the bus to near the end of the race, gets off the bus, and goes back into the race and runs and takes third place. Now, he is on the podium receiving a bronze medal for third place. The guy who came in fourth is looking at him wondering, where did he come from? (laughs) The judges are looking at this miraculous thing because this guy ran the second half of the race faster than he ran the first half of the race. And it had never happened in a marathon before. But the oops in the whole thing was that the bus that he got on was filled with people who went to see the beginning of the race and who were on their way to see the end of the race. So when they saw this guy that they had rode six miles with on the bus, they, they, his, 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 the thing was up. The hypocrisy was revealed. And he lost, uh, his medal was taken and he was put in his place. But the other thing that, that uh, and that went on to spur when I saw another race that was run. And the race was an unlikely competitor. And his name was Cliff Young. And every year in Australia, there's a race that's run, and it's called the Ultimate Marathon. And it's about 543.7 miles. It's a race that's run by trained athletes. These guys train all year long to run this race. And this ultra marathon takes five days to complete. And it's normally only attempted by world-class athletes. Well, in 1983, a man named Cliff Young showed up at the start of the race. Cliff was 61 years old. People thought he was just a spectator that had gotten down among the, ra- the, the, the athletes. But he went to the desk to sign in, and he was registered to run in that race. And they gave him his number and everything. The other thing about Cliff is that he was dressed in overalls and work boots. So he was really a joke. Everybody is laughing at this old man getting out there with all these young guys. Now, all of these young guys also had sponsors. Nike and oil companies and airlines have been sponsoring these guys and training them for a year to run this race. Cliff gets out there and runs the race. The race begins and all the guys take off. And, of course, they leave him in the rear. Then he became the butt of the media's joke because Cliff ran like this. And they called it the shuffle. This old man doing this shuffle as he ran. Well, they ran, and normally the runners run for 18 hours a day. And then they stop, and they they get a little refreshment, and they get some sleep. Well, Cliff didn't know that. Cliff kept running all night long. So when the racers had gone to bed and woke up and got back on the track, Cliff was already on the track. And they overtook him the second day and just ran on. And it was a joke. And then people began to be concerned about Cliff. This old man could have a heart attack and die out here. Somebody better do something. But he was a registered runner, and they, they couldn't bother him. Well, Cliff ran that race not knowing all the rules, not knowing the 
proper attire that runners run in. Uh, I mean, right now, when you look at the, the technology, God, the, the, the materials that are made are so light, and the shoes have such design in them that they change every year, you know, because this is the best possible thing you can put on your feet. Cliff had his work boots on because that's what he was used to wearing. When somebody had asked him about why do you want to run this race, he told him, I grew up on a farm. And we couldn't afford horses or tractors. And the whole time I was growing up, whenever there was a storm that was coming in, I had to go out and round up the sheep. We had 2,000 sheep on 2,000 acres. And he said, sometimes I ran those sheep for two or three days, but I always got them all. And so this... Again, this, this thing is screaming at me by now. Yeah. Cliff is running this race, and he doesn't know the rules, but he's just, run, he's just doing what he knows to do, what, what has been bred into him. Yeah. He's, he's, he's moved from herding sheep to herding people. Yeah. Interesting, because how that comes out is that Cliff won the race. What? He won the race because he never stopped. He never gave up. He kept going. He didn't have a great stride like the other guys had. He had a little shuffle, and he kept going, and he wouldn't stop. And the other fantastic thing about this story is that the next year, Cliff decides to run the race again. That year, he came in seventh. But the reason he came in seventh was because he had a displaced hip, and he still ran the whole race without quitting. So then he was 62 years old, and the average, the oldest guy and the other guy was 30. But the 20-year-olds were, you know, they, they running. They counting on their, their physicality, and they, that they can count on. But the one most powerful thing about Cliff Young is that in the years to follow, Cliff Young changed everything about that race. Today, they run that race nonstop. Today, the experts have gotten a hold to Cliff Young's shuffle. (laughs) And they've discovered that there are attributes to that shuffle. So now, several of the professional runners do the Cliff. They call it the Cliff Young shuffle. And they just shuffle along nonstop. And he had an impact where he had had been in the fields herding sheep. And those sheep had to know him. Again, my sheep know my voice. And another they won't follow. A stranger they'll run away from. So Cliff Young, all he had to do was get within voice of those sheep. And then he could lead them wherever he had to go. And they'd follow him while he's looking for more sheep. So those things were going on. So Cliff Young affected that race from then on. The other interesting thing about him, all he knew was that if you won the race, they gave you a trophy. He didn't know they gave you $10,000. And when he received the check for $10,000, he turns around and gives it to the other runners. And they asked him why. He says, well, they ran the race too. So they should get something. And he had no idea that it was coming. So... Again, to me, it's this generosity of the shepherd. 
always thinking about other people. So he went from herding sheep to herding people because his presence in that race changed the course of the race. It changed people's lives, how they train from now on. Now, Cliff Young died. Uh, He did several other things. He died, I think, in the early 70s. But uh, his life impacted that race and will impact it from now on. Those were the interesting things that that when I I thought about this race and this shepherd. Well, the other thing that that shepherds really got me was, in terms of the word of God, was the other one that the, the scripture... Find my notes. Um, talking about the Lord is my shepherd. Yeah. Uh, and this struck me because I'd read this a lot before. Yeah. But suddenly I see David and God yeah. talking shepherd talk. Yeah. Because it says, The Lord is my shepherd. Mm-hmm. I shall not want. Mm-hmm. He leadeth me beside still water. Well, again, I've had some experience with sheep. Sheep won't drink. If you take them to a brook and the water's running, they won't drink it. They like to drink where there's still water. They like to drink where there's deep water so they can stick their head in the water. So if you're around a brook, you have to build a trough that you can fill with water for sheep to drink because they won't even go near the brook. Something about the brook scares them. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the path of, for his name's sake. Now, two things in this scripture get me. He maketh me to lie down. Or why does he have to make me lie down? In green pastures. Now, when I read that, and I thought, okay, make me lie down in green pastures. And the first thought came to my mind, if any of you guys take me out to a buffet, all you got to do is get me to the door. And after that, I'm good. I'll get around and take care of myself. So when you get the sheep to the green pastures, why do you have to make them lie down? And I remembered in training about sheep, the shepherd takes them where they need to go. Sometimes they don't think they need to be there. Sometimes they think the grass is greener over there, and I want to go over there. So he has to make them lie down. And I thought about, the sheep how many times has God had to make you stop now you don't get that until after the fact until after you get further down the road and you find out that when God stopped you and you thought you were in a place that you didn't belong and you didn't want to be but because you were there it caused some things to happen in your life it caused some growth to happen in your life It, it caused you to see some things clearly that you would not have seen if you had have been led on by your own desires. So there's a reason for him making you to lie down in green pastures. And then the other thing that just, just totally blows me away. Because you see, sometimes we think we're doing a lot. We accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We decide we're going to go to church and some people will never miss a Sunday. And some people will give themselves... A, do this and do that. People come up with their own criteria. But this scripture says he leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Not for my name's sake. 
not so that I can stand up before you and say, you know, it's been 25 years since I missed a a service on on a Sunday. But he leads you for his name's sake. And why is that? Because he wants you to be nurtured and, and, and taught to do the things that he wants you to do. So he is glorified when people see you. And then, you know, on he prepares a table in the presence of my enemies. When sheep are feeding, they're on open fields. And anything can attack them. And we read in the scripture where David had all kinds of incidences because the sheep were attacked in the open field. But they have a shepherd who's watching out for them. So they eat without care because their shepherd is there. And the shepherd will sound a warning. Or if if something happens, they know, head to the shepherd. And those are the important things about that scripture. But one of the most important things that God revealed to me about what, what I was seeing was the fact that remembering back in school when there were competitions for judging the, the sheep, yeah. they were all put into pens. Yeah. And it's the other reason I tell some of you, make sure when the annual uh, fairs come around that you go to see the animal exhibit sometime yeah. instead of just going to see the, the rides. Yeah. Because there's some wonderful things that happen in those exhibits. You see people who have tended for these sheep and who have taken care of them and who are are bringing them out and they're being judged by how well they've done. And there's a a lot of people have learned a lot of things and grown a lot of things. But the one interesting thing about that, all of those sheep that you see, you see the sheep and the cows and and all those things, and you see them with a big first prize uh, sticker on them. You won't see any of those animals next year because they all get sold and they go to slaughter. Every one of them. See, for us, when we think, oh, my, my, my sheep won first prize. I'm going to bring him back next year and see if he can win again. It's not like that. He wasn't raised for that. He was raised to be put on that altar. He was raised to be weighed and slaughtered and, and divvied out to the people. That was his purpose. We sang a song today about my purpose. And and again, I have to tell you, getting a hold to my purpose has been a problem for me. Because it wasn't anything that I could look at. The reason I discounted myself for being able to stand here before you was because I cried. And was because when I praise God, I don't, it's not eloquent. All I hear is wails and yells, but that's what comes out of me. When I stand before God and I feel like I'm in his presence, all I hear is yells and and wails and, Lord, I don't know why. I don't know why. But I discounted myself for being able to stand before you because of that. Because I didn't see, I watch TV and none of the preachers are crying. (laughs) And I don't know why. But I want to answer the call. So the one thing that I can assure you of is that here at Living Hope, this is what you get. From now on, 
I'm going to be me. And I'm going to praise him the way I praise him. And I'll share the way it's there. And the other thing that stands out to me so, being here at Living Hope, is looking at the folks that I get to fellowship with. See, people always look at, there's a human side of judgment and there's a godly side of judgment. When the folks decided that they wanted a king, and God said, no, you don't need a king. But they said, no, everybody else got a king. We want a king. And they went out to pick their king. They wanted him to be taller and better looking than anybody else's king. So they picked who they thought would make a good king by their judgment. But God had another plan. And it took years because the people got in the way. And sometimes you get in the way of what God has planned for you. Because you decide to lean to your own understanding. And when you lean to your own understanding, God backs up. Because you've decided, I'll take it from here. And then only when you've decided, I can't take it, I can't do it. Have you created an atmosphere for him to step back in because you're crying out, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. He says, oh, they need me. And he's right there. He's a good God. Because he, uh, he lets you do that sometimes. But the people had chosen a king that they thought met the requirements that they wanted. But God had another plan. God chose a little fellow who was a runt of all of his brothers and said, that's who I want to be king. And then it didn't happen immediately. But he and God had developed a relationship when he was out there in the fields, when he was tending the sheep. And then what happened was later on we see where his music and his, his, his talents, the king wanted him to be in his courts. Singing, because something about the way he played that harp just soothed him. And that was fantastic. And so, again, I liken that to a lot of things in here. When, when Chin Wei begins to sing, oh, my goodness. I, I, and I had to share with her once that there is an order of priests that do nothing but sing and recite the word of God because they believe it's so powerful that it changes the atmosphere. So all day long, all they're doing is going through the word of God and speaking it because they believe that creates a balance because not only is there good, but there is evil. And so when Chen Wei sings, I see things moving. I, I, I shared early when, when Doc Carrington plays that bass guitar, I feel like the earth is being shaken. But there are other folks, Jackie Hughes. David O, Stephanie Sanchez, Rhonda Curry, Sherry Alexander. When you guys walk alongside Dyrell Venable and Pastor Joseph, you're in for a special treat. You're in for finding out things and, 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 and being exposed to something that only God can pour out upon among you. I've seen... When Mickey Cho steps up to a microphone, you're in for a big surprise. You're going to be blown away because it's not how he looks, 
But how, what happens when he opens his mouth and what you see, the move of God in his life. There are a couple of guys, Christopher and, and Matt, nice guys, wonderful smiles, great guys you'd want to hang out with. But when Matt picks up that violin, he just, it just goes all through me as he allows God to express himself in his worship. As Christopher gets on the piano, it's wonderful. But wait till he picks up his camera. What happens when this man gets behind a camera? You see things that you didn't know were there. And so I get the opportunity to walk around with these people. I watch Amy Pack let the Spirit of God move through her hands in a brush. I had never seen anybody worship with a paintbrush before. But it moves me. I'm like, how can that happen? How can people do that? How can people learn how to walk so close with God that they're allowing themselves to be moved and to move, not to entertain you, but to worship and praise God with you. So riding alongside people, I discovered something. I discovered that, again, the correlation between what I've been exposed to. When you go to a judging for sheep, the sheep are placed in pens. Each pen is numbered. And the judges come through and look at the sheep. And they have their little tablets and they calculate all the things. None of the shepherds are present. They're not looking at the shepherds. They're looking at the sheep. And when they award the, the winning flock of sheep, yeah. they give the award to the shepherd. Yeah. And so I'm here to talk about our shepherds. And our shepherds are not seen, see, because, again, I share some of my friends. I've invited people because I'm excited about being part of Living Hope. And I run across folks and say, oh, you need to come. You need to set through. Or, I, I have friends all over the country that listen to go to the website and listen to messages. But some of my dearest friends that I've invited have shared with me, oh, it was a really nice service, but it's just a whole bunch of young people in there. It's a bunch of kids in there. And I'm like, oh, okay, okay. Well, and the pastors are young. And I'm like, okay, okay, but did you hear the word that went forth? And they can't get past this other stuff. They're using this judgment thing. And one person... I guess they felt like I was hunting for something. She told me, she says, well, you know, they're the cutest couple. They're so cute. I just enjoyed watching them. And I'm like, okay, you, you missed it. What about the word that he come for? What about the service? So some people use that. But when you're judging the shepherds, they don't look at the shepherds. They look at the sheep. And if you want to know about the shepherds, look at the sheep. And it tells you what's going on with the shepherds. These sheep are well fed. These sheep are safe. Because there's somebody that's been looking after them. 
They're not hirelings because the scriptures tell us that hirelings in the, in the danger, when, when the foxes and the wolves come, the hirelings will head out and leave the sheep on their own. There's somebody that's been called to be a shepherd. And so those are the kinds of things that excite me about what I see today. When you invite people here, they're not coming to look at the shepherds. They're going to look around and see the sheep. They're going to see lives that have been transformed. They're going to see people who had given up and left but came back because of the mercy and the grace of God. And not only did they come back, but they came back stronger. You see, they're, they're, when you look in the scriptures, you find lots of people. We find where David fell, but he came back. We find where Moses missed it. He, he's sort of like me, waiting on 32 years and found it wasn't 32 years old. It was 32 years of marriage. <laughs> David got a, a little vision. Of, oh, I'm, 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 I'm a deliverer. I'm going to kill me some Egyptians. Oh, excuse me, Moses, not David. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to kill me an Egyptian. I'll get this thing straight. And God had to set him someplace where he could learn how to tend the sheep. Where he could learn how to, to get in line with the move of God and hear him clearly. So he came back. So, again, coming back can be a marvelous thing. Again, which is demonstrated here among us. People have been there and they've turned around and they've come back. And not come back to be set on a back burner because you missed it the first time. But come back and say, now I know you got it. Now I know you know. But who is your savior? Who's looking out after you? Where you can go? Now they want to be near the shepherd. Because if you ever go out and, and um, see a group of sheep, there's some sheep that that shepherd just can't get away from. They just can't get away from him. They stick with him. Because they know that's a safe place. They know that's the, when, when it's time to eat, he's the one, they want to hear it first. They don't want to be way over there. When he say, hey, it's time to eat, they want to be right there. So as we learn how to be good sheep, we learn about our shepherds. And you also learn that when people come and visit, when they're first-time visitors in our flock, they're looking at the sheep, not at the shepherds. They're looking to see what's going on with these people. I see all kinds of people in here. How come all these people can come together and worship? I've never been in a church like that before. You know, where are the little idiosyncrasies? Where, where's the, the fussing and the arguing and the, this group and the, that group and the cliques? Well, we got a shepherd that'll tear them up. We got shepherds that when the little things start coming up, they say, stop that. It's not going to go on here. The other thing I want to, to point out was about the sheep. The sheep listen to the voice, and they won't follow another voice. A stranger's voice will scatter them because it confuses them. But there's something about a goat that says absolutely nothing, but he can mingle in with the sheep. And when that goat is with the sheep, he can get the sheep to follow him. And goats are used when it's time to take sheep to slaughter. And that's because the way the ramps are made that drop the sheep into the slaughter is that the goat knows to jump over. 
And the sheep are so busy just following that they never see it. And they don't jump over it. They fall into it. And that was an interesting thing to me. And I thought, oh, my goodness, you know, that, you know, I, I don't know how that fits in except to say that if you know his voice and you listen to it, you won't be following the goat. That's the only way I, I, can, I can look at that. Because, see, too often we get caught up in what's popular, what's, what's the newest thing going. And, you know, and sometimes people can come among us and say, this is it. This is the way to get rich. This is the way to do this. This is the way to do that. And we start following. Uh, because this is what they're doing. But it's not what God is saying. So you have to be conscious of that. And the only other thing was that. You need to be in your place. You need to be in your place. And the, the idea I got about that, there's, um, oh gosh, what was that? Baseball, Joe DiMaggio. When they were looking for uh, highlight tapes when he was inducted into the Hall of Fame, there weren't that many. And no one, well, he'd never done any of those spectacular things, those catches where you see the guy jumping through the air and, and you know, and all those things where guys are just barely made it or, or this and that. And they discovered the reason why, because he was always in his place. He was always right where the play was being played. It made him a great player, but there were no highlight tapes. So some of us are always looking for the highlights. Some of us want to be seen. We want to do this. We want to do that. We want to be behind here or up here. But the thing is, be in your place. Because if you're hearing the voice, you'll be where you need to be. The last thing I'll share with you about the sheep is that every year, sheep get sheared. Sheep are sheared because um, that's it's financially available. I mean, you, you, you got clothes made from sheep. Okay. Well, the sheep get sheared every year and that money goes to the shepherds, but the shepherds are taking care of the sheep. Now the sheep are always very relieved to be sheared because it's usually hot and summertime and they got these thick, heavy coats on, and they love it. When you see a bunch of sheep that have been sheared, they get to bouncing around and (laughs) dancing through the fields and having a good time. So they're not missing all of that fur that was on them. They don't miss it. They're jumping around. And the other reason is because they got a shepherd. After the shearing is done, it's time to eat. And who's there to feed them? The shepherd. If it gets a little too cold, who builds a fire to look after them? And then because of the way nature goes, what they had is replenished. The wool begins to grow again. So we have to think like that. One, I want you to know that you are sheep and people are watching you. Two, I want you to know that 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 you have, that wool that grows on you and the Lord has blessed you with, when it's sheared, it can go to the shepherd who has cared for you and taken care of you. Our pastors had taken a leap of faith. I, I say they took two leaps of faith. One, he had me speak today. So truly, it was a leap of faith. Two, 
He decided, they decided that they would live off of a love offering. They would live only off of what the sheep brought to them. Not a salary. And see, that strikes me really tough because I say if he was looking for a job, he could be the praise leader at any mega ministry in the country. They'd be glad to get him. And the salaries that these guys get, I know a couple of guys that work on worship teams, and they are doing very well. And I tell one of my buddies, I wish I could sing and play a piano. Why didn't I learn how to sing and play a piano? <laughs> but they would be sought after if another church knew that they were available. If they could possibly be drawn away with a check and a contract. But no, they also hear the voice. They also answer the voice. And it says, be a shepherd. And sing to your sheep. Be there for your sheep when they're injured and they need nurturing and caring for. That's why they're here. So for sheep, we should be there also for them. And be mindful of the fact that I'm one of those guys who could talk myself out of anything. So when I'm looking at me and I say, oh, I don't have a job and I'm not doing this, and I only got a dollar, I only got two dollars, what difference does that make? It makes a difference. Amen. It makes a difference to two people. First, it makes a difference to God. Amen. Because we read in the scripture, when the widow put in the widow's might, yes. it was greater than the other people who were making a big show about, look, at, look, oh, did you all see the check I wrote the pastor? Yeah. Look at that. Right. Pass it around. And, you know... <laughs> Give it to the pastor. It makes a difference to God. And it also makes a difference to our pastors. Because they are able to follow the voice of God. And see that it's true. And that God provides. God has a plan. He had a plan when he said for them, you could live off a love offering. He had a plan. Now, all the time that plan doesn't look real clear. But there's a plan. And we have to hold our end of the plan up. Amen. So it's, it's doing what you can, no more than you can, because you are only called God saved you. He may have saved everybody in the room, but you got a testimony about how he saved you and how he put you in this place. I share with some people sometimes, I believe they were born for me. I believe that God brought them into this world for me. I'm old enough to be their parent. I went to school with Pastor Benjamin's mother. Okay? They were born and put together and brought to this place. When I found out about Living Hope, I didn't even know there was a church in this building. And I drive up and down this street all the time. As long as they had been in here, I've been going up and down San Pablo Avenue. I knew there was no church. I didn't know anything about a church. But when I came and found out that this is where God wanted me to be. This is where God wanted me to be for a reason. Because he had brought forth some people to speak into my life, to teach me and to train me. He had brought forth people for me to forget, like Cliff Young did, what the rules were. I don't come in here, I'm old and him old enough to be his daddy. Son, let me tell you about preaching when you get up there. I've been in church for 30 or 40 years. I didn't come in here like that. I came in here broken, 
and messed up. And they came alongside me. And they said, just sit and be healed. And then, so now, again, like the rules go, I'm a son of this house. I don't try to find that special. Oh, no, well, you got to make me the grandfather. Uh, I'm old enough to be the grand. No, I'm a son. I'm being raised up and lifted up. And again, my one thing has gone on where I thought it was going, and I see God move me naturally and physically from one place to another place. And I thank God for it, and I thank God for all of you. And I I just say, let's just remember that we are the sheep and that people look at the sheep. Again, my one great thing about that, because as I prepared myself this morning, I was reminded of how I've prepared animals for for show and display and things like that. You give them a good bath and you brush them and you clean them up. Sometimes you even put a little boot black on their hooves to make them shine. And as I was preparing myself, looking in the mirror, brushing my hair, I started crying. I said, I'm preparing myself for the altar. (laughs) But the one characteristic that I could go for, I said, well, you know what? Nobody, if you take a skinny sheep in there, nobody likes a skinny sheep. So I said, they all like the big fat sheep. So I made it right there. That was a qualification. I said, I qualify that one. So those are the things that we have to be reminded. Look at yourself. Study yourself. Know you are an example, not only to others, but to each other. Because I, your lives have impacted me. You guys have changed my life. You guys, I, I, I mean, I look at the packs, and I think about the name pack. Short maybe for package. Because they came as a package in my life that has blessed me. You know, I, I, you know, those are the kinds. Of <laughs> those are the kinds of things that bless me. You know, I can go on and on and start naming people off that have touched my life. I am going from this day forward. I'm going to stop talking myself out of telling some of these guys I love them. Well, no, see, it, it works two different ways. With me, the hesitations. How do you go up to Mickey Cho and say, Mickey, I love you, I love you. Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't want to run nobody away. <laughs> but I have to learn how to express myself because it's in me. I, I, I tell you, I, I couldn't study for this. I can't read my scripture. Sometimes the tears just come. And so I've decided... Like it or not, however it is, this is what God has put on the altar, and this is what I'm going to keep on the altar. And I thank God for you. 